Back once again for another week of the Blue Corner. My name is Dennis, and uh, here we are once again. Uh, before we get started, just obviously uh, remember to hit that subscribe and ring that bell. But um, you know, we last week we were lucky enough to have uh, Tyson on on the show, and and we're moving on from one boxer to another. Um, some would probably say at the moment our next guest is Australia's golden child. Um, He's had a uh, pretty successful c- campaign uh, earlier this year um, at the, uh, I don't even know if we're going to call it Tokyo 2020 or if it's Tokyo 2021. Um, but yeah, he, he's obviously a boxer that um, medaled and I believe it's the first medal we've received in, in, in the better part of three decades. Um, I'm talking about none other than uh, Harry Garside himself. How have you been? How has uh, how has life been since you've returned to Australia? And um, yeah, how how how's lockdown been treating you? Uh, firstly, thanks for having me on, mate. Um, since the Olympics, it's it's been it's been good. This is like the longest break that I've had off boxing. Um, sort of, you I mean you, you put a lot of time and energy and effort into into the Olympic Games, and and I tried for the Rio Olympics and. And that was five years of just hard training, pretty much didn't have any breaks in that time. And um, just really enjoying some downtime at the moment, always staying active and staying fit. Uh, but since the games, it's been really nice. I like spending a bit of time with my family, with my partner. Um, I'm currently up in Sydney. My home is usually Melbourne. So it's uh, it's going really well, mate. I'm, I'm keen to get back into the gym though. And, and boxing's all I know. So I'm keen to get back into it. But I also see that um, you're, you're wearing something on, on, on your hand at the moment. So is that going to delay your return to the gym? Uh, yeah, so I, I had surgery on my hand. I did the injury in March 2021, um, so earlier this year. And um, I knew the doctor said you pretty much had to get surgery, but I knew that I wasn't going to get it prior to the Olympics or else it would have put me back three to six months. So had to sort of just manage it. Um, didn't affect me whatsoever throughout. I couldn't throw it for three months, which is kind of annoying. But the last month of, of training prior to the Olympics, I actually was able to spar and, and actually do contact stuff. So it was a great preparation. It would have been ideal if I could throw it those, those three months. But that last month was all I needed, really, I thought. Um, and then, and then yeah, got, got surgery after and the doctor says three to six months. But um, hopefully, uh, maybe back in the gym very soon. I know Freedom Day is next week in Sydney. So I'll be doing one-handed stuff next week at least. Well, fingers crossed, right? Because when when we say Freedom Day, the original date was the 18th. Then now there's talks of the 11th. But I've also read articles now saying that 25th because we're waiting for 80%. So I'm kind of like, and and now that we've lost Gladys, I really don't know what's going on, right? Like it's it's a bit all up in the air. But uh, was it one of those cases that, um, as you said, like in preparation, like did did you find having injured your hand like that? Were you still able to work on the other hand? Because I. You know, when it comes to like combat sports athletes and, and I deal a lot with MMA as well and, 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 you know, they sometimes talk about that if they can't strike, their their wrestling really improves because they focus so much. So um, I'm not sure which one it is right now, if it's your jab or, or your cross hand, but um, was, it, was it a case that you were still able to work on the other hand and, and did you see some massive improvements on that hand? Yeah, so it's um it's actually I always look when I have like a problem or a situation, I always look for the silver lining. I think a lot of high performance athletes and people in high performance environments, we do that. And I was just constantly asking like what is the universe trying to teach me right now? And one of the biggest problems that I've had 
um, is I drop my, my lead hand on the southpaw, I drop my right hand um, often and I get clocked when I'm boxing southpaws a lot with overhand lefts or um, get hit a lot because my, my right hand is down. So I was just thinking now's a perfect time, perfect opportunity to really focus and hone in on keeping that, that hand up and um, getting a bit more strength in the shoulder so it's not dropping down um, deep into a tournament and stuff like that. So there was definitely big improvements in my right hand throughout my preparation because it was all I could throw. There was times, though, that it was burning because I was overusing it. And I was that kind of concerned that I might get like an injury because you're overused and stuff like that. But managed it well. Um, big improvements in the right hand and fingers crossed now, now that when I have the left hand back, I can still improve with that, with that right hand. Cause it's pretty important. Your jab, keeping your lead hand up, your backhand's like, it's always there. You know what I mean? But everyone uses their backhand heaps. So, um, I was really, really happy that I had that opportunity to really just focus on my right hand. Nice, nice. And you say you, you originally tried for the Rio Olympics as well. Um, like how, how far along that campaign did you, did you get? Yeah, so I tried, uh, so I won the national title. I was only 18 at the time, and then we went to China for the Asian qualifiers, Asia-Oceana qualifiers, and, and I won one fight and then lost to China, and then we went to Azerbaijan for the world qualifier, the last chance qualification, and I won three, two fights, sorry, beat Germany and Korea, and then lost to Turkey um, in that fight. If I won that fight, I would have went to the Olympics, but um, looking back, I'm so grateful I didn't make it, to be honest, because I feel like I, if I did, I probably would have lost in my first fight. And um, yeah, who knows like where my boxing would have went after that, but because that, I didn't make it and I got really close, busted my ass for the last five years and, and finally got the opportunity to represent Australia. Nice, nice. And look, I want to take it right back as well to like where you really began this this journey. And, and I believe it was around the age of nine um, from, from what I've read is, you know, and... And uh, when you originally started, uh, I mean, we'll, we'll start right from there. Like, where, where was the original sort of start in, in, in the boxing world and, and as to even why you, you picked up the boxing gloves, I guess? Yeah, so I started boxing when I was nine. Um, I live in a small, like, smaller town on the outskirts of the Melbourne suburbs called Lilydale. And um, the only gym that we saw, there's gyms in every suburb, but, like, my suburb of Lilydale, um, there was the Lilydale Boxing Gym um, Youth Club. And I just walked in there one day with my mum and, and my coach, Brian Levy, who's still my coach to date. Um, yeah, he, he took me in and I fell in love with the sport instantly. I think I initially started it for two different reasons. We actually watched way too many Rocky films when I grew up. My family loved them. And I was like, I, I was the youngest of three boys and, and I sort of didn't get much respect from my two older brothers. Um, they were real blokey, real manly. And I was kind of like more close to my mum and what my mum was doing and I think I initially just wanted to gain a bit of respect from my brothers and, and they were fighting on the footy field, fighting at school and they're always fighting at home. And, and I was like not really doing what they were doing. And I think I started it to, to gain a bit of respect from them and then fell in love with the sport instantly. So, um, yeah, like it's been a long journey still with my coach now. Uh, we now train at Pure Boxing in Ringwood and that's in Melbourne too. Um, so I'll be here between here and Melbourne, uh, Sydney, sorry, Sydney and Melbourne um, for the rest of my career, I think. Nice, nice, and and as you just mentioned, you were you were more. Uh, I mean, two questions on that: Have you now garnered the uh, respect of your brothers, and um, and and also like being the mother's boy, as as you said, um, how hard was it to convince your mum to to allow you to pick up, you know, the sport of boxing? I'm I'm sure you know there, there's plenty of other sports that she probably would have looked at first. 
Yeah, so I definitely I've gained the respect from I think both of them, but I definitely couldn't beat up uh, my middle brother. He's got that farm boy strength. He's um he's like doesn't go to gym, doesn't do any training, but he's one of the strongest men that I've ever come across. Um, but yeah, my oldest brother, I made him wrestle, tussle every now and then. But um, I know when I started boxing, um, my mum was like, like, because I played all sports: basketball, AFL, um, cricket tennis i'm running like i loved all sport and mum's like why can't you go play basketball or something like that and it's funny because she really didn't want me to do it but now she's the loudest one in the crowd when she comes and watches me fight so it's quite funny to see how much she's changed since i started when i was nine and she really loves that i do it she loves the person i become when i do it and um yeah i'm so grateful i've got like the support of, of my mum my and my dad so um yeah behind every good athlete there's always a good team behind them i think and I have to ask, where does the where does the I mean, you reek of uh, positive energy, right? And and I I need to know where that comes from. And the only reason I ask that is is obviously, you know, like um, I, I I mean, the more I read about yourself and 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 obviously hear from you is like you you have these setbacks, right? But then you you stay with it, you persevere, and 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 you you try to overcome them, right? Like, I mean, I, I, I think the the original thing that I read was, you know, even though you started at nine, you weren't actually allowed to jump into any sort of ring until you were 12. So that's three long years. And and, and for, for a kid of that age, um, you know, that, that can actually seem like a lifetime. Like, um, you know, as you said, you didn't make the Olympics, but rather than throwing in the towel, obviously you, you continued on and just things like that. I mean, even at, uh, I think um you you had a pretty on off record to begin with as well right like it wasn't the cleanest record as well like there, there there was somewhere that i read something that you lost 10 out of your first 18 and stuff like that but obviously you 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 stuck your heels in and and you decided to keep going forward where where does that energy come from yeah i think there's like there's definitely numerous parts to like why i stayed in the sport there's like the element of like like i truly love the sport with all my heart and to be honest i would quite happily just do boxing because i love it i like success is just a bonus i do the sport because of how it makes it makes me feel i'm a massive overthinker when i'm inside that ring the world stops like that's the amazing feeling and there's also the element of like I was a kid, as I mentioned before, who, who lacked a little bit of respect from the males in my life. And then you start a sport like boxing, everyone kind of gives you this like identity and, and respect that you kind of, I don't know if you deserve it just because you do a sport. I don't know if you deserve respect, but they, it often happens. And I think I, I love that. Like often as kids, I think we all want, um, we all want to feel accepted, respected. Um, and yeah, I was all, I always loved it. I'm addicted to the feeling of being different, unique and not many people in my area did boxing and I love that and so there's numerous things as to why I stayed in when I was early and then I think like when I got so close um at the Rio trials like it was just like I can actually maybe do this and it's quite amazing like I look back now on my life and I was 18 at the time I honestly went to the both Asian qualifiers and the world qualifiers before the Olympics and I honestly thought that I could win them you know what I mean? I look back now, I'm thinking that was being very disrespectful to the top athletes <laughs> at the time. I look back now and, um, but you know I mean, you kind of like when you're young, you're naive and you, and you go in there, you're thinking, oh, I can do this and stuff like that. And that was really a moment when I was just like, maybe I can actually win a medal at the Olympics. Obviously it was gold that I wanted and, and bronze wasn't the gold, but like, 
um, fingers crossed now, mate, like the next generation are looking at that going, we can do this. And fucking earth they can. They can do whatever they put their minds to. Minds to. They just got to believe it. Simple as that. Yeah, and I also think like, look, I don't <coughs> think it's being naive at all. Like I always say, especially in, in combat sports, um, you have to go in believing that you're going to win, right? Because it's, it's I, I kind of say, if you if you go into any sort of fight um, with the with the mindset that you're losing this fight, you, you've pretty much lost before you even make that walk, right? So I kind of feel like, as I say, you've got to have that confidence, otherwise you're in that wrong sport. But speaking of which, I also read that, you know, and, and I know you, you obviously have dedicated your life to boxing now, but um, there, there was a, a quote that I saw as well where you said like, you you would like to see some form of combat sports in 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 all schools, right? Because you, you think it can really help, I, I guess, young kids uh, progress further in life. Um, in, in that sense, how, how important is, uh, and I will just blanket it, uh, combat sports? Yeah, I think I can totally understand not integrating boxing. I can understand there'll be a bit of backlash, head trauma and stuff like that with kids that are growing. But like imagine introducing judo, wrestling, um, Brazilian jiu-jitsu maybe like sports where there's like you have to you have to bow to your, your master your shape there's a lot of respect and the lessons that they learn about themselves as well self-confidence self-love you gotta have respect for yourself but also you gotta have respect for your athlete your coaches um i just think it would be one of the most fantastic things to integrate into into our system i think when you when I, sometimes i talk to some older people um like my coach and stuff like that they're like if you back chatted to a policeman back in their day the policeman would knock you out or like hit you, you know what I mean? Or backhand you, you know what I mean? Like now people will spit, swear. And it's just like, that's just an example. But it's like, I feel like a lot of people don't have much respect for authority. Don't have much respect for themselves almost in a sense. And I feel like that's a great that I'd hope into, into their morals. And especially at that young age, it's really like pivotal into the person they're going to become later on in life. And it's crazy because I, I totally agree with that. Um, even to the point, uh, as you say, in schooling systems, I remember, you know, if we if we misbehaved back at school, the, the teacher would grab you by the arm, take you to the principal's office and you'd kind of get dealt with, right? Where these days you can't even do that because the kids know they'll be like, you can't touch me, mm. right? They, like it's literally, we live in this world now where like all the power has been put onto the kids and they know it because kids are smart, right? Mm. They know it. So they know how to kind of game that system. Um but I mean, like, also, I mean, with with you, um, I, I don't know. Did you ever go down the wrong path? Because I also read that, like, there, there was a moment in your life that, um, and it's one. This is where I feel a little bit bad because it's one that um, I know probably the least about. But like, um, I believe what was it? Uh, the Reach Foundation came came to your school, and um, from what I read, that was like a really life altering moment for you um what, what what is it and i mean even give them a plug because as i said like we know about like the starlight we know about like you know all, all these foundations but like as i said and and uh, i apologize for it too the reach is probably one of the ones that i know the least about so what is it that they do and and how did they like a, a, as i say change your life yeah i think any organization like similar to reach about youth and, and really developing our, our younger generation um yeah reach entered my school 
when I was in year 10, I believe. And they, they ran a school workshop. They did a, a girls workshop. So just all the girls in my year level. And they also did a boys workshop. So I was obviously at the boys workshop. And that workshop was all about challenging stereotypes. And you often think about males, how we're always doing the dumb shit, always jumping. Like you see blokes jumping off fucking roofs into a table and stuff like that. Like you never see girls doing stuff like that. And it's like, why do we have that mindset, like toxic masculinity and stuff like that? And it's half the reason why I painted my nails for the for the Olympics was because of what they planted in me and just challenging stereotypes and just realizing you don't really have to fit the mold of what society pushes on you about how a male is supposed to act. You can really just like, because I feel a little bit more feminine, as I mentioned at the start of the school, like I feel a little bit more feminine. I was always a little bit more connected to what my mum was doing and, and wasn't really connected to what my my brother and my dad were doing always at the back in the shed or digging holes and stuff like that and i was just like nah that's not me and um i think just like like we're kind of told like nah that males are supposed to do this and do that and it's just like just realizing no you can do whatever you want and um yeah i've been involved with reach since since i was in year 10 now i like help them run workshops and they go they do so much stuff but i think the key message with the reach foundation is just like making young people giving them the space to explore themselves and realizing their full potential. So it's like, that's their two core messages. It's like really giving them a space to speak honestly, try things out. Like, cause like think about life as a teenager, how confusing you think it is. And like, you think you have a problem when you're a teenager, you think it's the end of the world. And I think reach just really gives young people a platform to really understand themselves more, ask questions that no, there's no dumb questions and really just explore what they feel inside because there's a lot going on in their body. Their body is changing, their body's growing their hormones, everything is sort of moving and stuff like that. So I think it's a really amazing foundation for young people just to explore themselves and, and, and really realize their full potential. Nice, nice. And talking about breaking stereotypes, I mean, obviously you you, you showed the, uh, the the pain of fingernails, but like uh, I read as well, or I think it was on the news even that, um, I mean, two things that um, you took up the um, – uh, the dance of ballet and um, also you were considering wearing a dress to the opening ceremony um, do you want to talk a little bit about that yeah yeah so the the ballet I start, I've always wanted to really start ballet and I think like I remember seeing stuff growing up Danny Green did it um, like he obviously was on Dancing with the Stars too and, and Arnold Schwarzenegger did ballet and James Hurd who's an AFL footy player did it and I've always been really interested in movies that have ballet in them or gymnastics or dance and stuff like that. And um, was always a little bit scared to tell, especially like my dad, he's pretty old fashioned that I wanted to do ballet and stuff like that. But finally in 2019, fills up the courage. Mum got me a couple of tickets and, and I went I went and um, started my first few classes and I fell in love with it. It's really, really strict, really rigid, very similar to boxing. There's a lot of rules. Um, you have to, you can't have chewing gum, can't have your watch on, can't turn your back to the bar. Like there's so many things that are similar and I absolutely love it. It's just something different, something u unique. Um, and I'll probably do this for a long time, mate. I, I hope that I'm doing this when I'm 40, 50 as well. So, um, yeah, the dress scenario, it, it was similar to the nail polish. It was just like, I wanted to just like break stereotypes. As I mentioned, I'm addicted to the feeling of being different, unique. The reason why I didn't do it was two reasons. Didn't want to take the spotlight away from the rest of the Australian team as the opening ceremony is pretty special. And I didn't want to try and grab like, seem like I'm grabbing the spotlight. And I also didn't want to offend anyone. I know the world we live in now, people always overanalyze everything and have their opinion on everything. And um, I know some people probably could have taken that the wrong way. I know my intentions are good. It's just all about like, like inclusion and, and 
just making everyone believe like you can do and be whatever you want to be. You don't have to fit this social construction that the world puts on you and stuff like that. And um, grateful I didn't do it because it was just before one of my first fights. I feel like the media could have grabbed that and ran with it a million different ways. And it could have potentially like interfered mentally with, with me focusing on, focusing on my job. So um, grateful I didn't do it, but I got my message across with the nail polish. Nice, nice. And with the ballet, I, I'm not sure if it was ballet, but I know another dancer, boxer slash is Lomachenko, right? He 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 he's a he's another great that kind of uses it. But was it always ballet for you, or or because I, I mean, you know, um, when it comes to dance, you've got you know a lot of other like whether it be jazz, whether it be hip hop, whether it be contemporary. Yeah. Um, has it always just been ballet for you, or or is it the fact that you just wanted to get your dancing shoes on? Yeah, so I've, I've always been really interested in ballet, and I think probably for boxing, it's I, I'm not too sure on other dance. Like I'm pretty ignorant in that in that space, but like I really think ballet and boxing work really well together. Um, once once we have Freedom Day, whatever it is in Sydney, I'm definitely going to try and look at starting contemporary and a couple of other forms of dance as well as ballet. Um, I just think like if you really sit down and think about it, it's getting a lot of like um, like people often talk about me doing it, but I think doing any form of dance for any sport or any activity in life, it's pretty useful. Coordination, technique, different things, movement, uh, mobility. There's so many positive things about dance. And I honestly feel like I'm massive on like the history and stuff like that. And I think like hunters and gatherers, we probably danced and sung. That's how we talked and communicated. And I think it's like, one of the most natural things we can do. And um, yeah, I feel like often our generation now is kind of stood away from that. And I think when you're moving freely and dancing, like it's honestly so liberating and rewarding. That's true. And, and I mean, look, as you say, I think ballet, the, my, my sister does ballet. Oh, she did. She's a dancer, but she does all, all dance. And I think one of, one of the major things with ballet is I, I guess it's the, the strictest form of dance um as you mentioned before with the rule sets and, and and things like that and just technique as well like you can't have sloppy technique right ballet is all about having correct posture having you know um but yeah man like and actually and, and one thing I, this is like totally on a side dish right now i wanted to bring up your tattoos as well because i saw a couple of photos of your tattoos uh, especially the ones down your leg um can you can you kind of like talk to us a little bit about obviously um, the tattoos you have, what they mean to you? I saw I think two faces on there that I recognise, um, but obviously uh, I'll let you kind of like take the lead on it. Yeah, so I've got um, all my favourite fighters. So I've got Muhammad Ali, like one of the greatest of all time. And I love what he stood for outside of the ring. Vasily Lomachenko, Southpaw, and I honestly think he has revolutionised the sport. You get. He's doing these movements, angles and stuff like that. And and I think now young people will be trying that. And it's like in 20 years time, like the boxing is going to be completely different because all young people are seeing him do that. And um, yeah, I think he's amazing. Roy Jones Jr., Southport, fantastic. Uh, unbelievable. Sugar Ray Leonard, one of my favorites. And Bernard Hopkins loved the story that he taught himself how to box in jail and, and obviously was boxing well into his 50s. So, um, yeah, just some of my favourites on my leg. Haven't got much more room left to um, to fit any more on, but I'm pretty happy with, with how it turned out, to be honest. 
No, as I said, I'm I'm a big fan of tattoos, obviously, and I saw that. As I said, it was a total side note, but uh, I I just wanted to obviously because I was like, damn, that's some nice artwork. So I, I just obviously <laughs> wanted to um kind of get what you had there. Um, so I mean, look, let's let's get straight on to the Olympics. How how long was the process this time around? I mean, the easy answer to that is four years. But like, how long was the actual process for you to to I guess your Olympic campaign? I mean, you you mentioned the first lot you um you missed out on which was rio uh, was it just straight back to to the books and and go again or did you take some time off to re-evaluate everything or yeah how how long was that pro- process in reality yeah it was a really really long process um like i'm the type of person i think it's a really valuable thing to do i feel sometimes when i was younger like i failed a lot when i was younger and i felt when i failed I um I jumped back up straight away, and often when I did that, I would make the same mistake again. Um, so after the, I remember after the Rio um, like failure of not making the Olympics, um, like I sat down in that in that darkness and and really I was there for probably like a month to be honest. I was feeling really flat, but I was really reflecting on like why it didn't work out. Um, it really sucked watching. Um, oh, it didn't suck. Like my best mate Jason Whateley and Daniel Lewis competed at the Olympics. Like it didn't suck, but it sucked. Like knowing that I could have been there. Um, yeah. So it was like like in that time, in that period, I was really reflecting on why I didn't make it and stuff like that. And I know once the Olympics finished, it was like um, early August or something like that, 2016. Then I just got straight back into work and um, yeah, it was straight back on the front foot and really focusing on making sure that. I could do everything in my power to make the Commonwealth Games in 2018. That was the next big goal. Um, and and I felt like the Commonwealth Games for me was a massive point that I was like, okay, I can actually do something on the international boxing stage. And um, yeah, and then after that, it was just training really hard for the next three years until until the Tokyo trials. And I actually failed twice um, to make the Tokyo Olympics. Um, I failed in Asia, didn't qualify, and then I actually got given a spot based on my ranking. So it wasn't it wasn't the way I wanted to qualify, mate, but I just know I needed to bust my ass and ensure that I that I got a medal to, to prove that I was supposed to be there. Rather than if I didn't get a medal, I probably would have eaten myself alive for the rest of my life, going like I got given a spot. It's like I didn't I didn't actually earn my spot. Do I deserve to be there? And and I'm grateful now I can actually look myself in the mirror and, and go like like I, I deserve to be there and, and I know I am capable of, of, of doing better than what I did this time as well. And so I have to ask on that point, like having the the original Olympics, as I said at the beginning, I don't know if to, we call it 2020 or 2021, right? But obviously for a lot of athletes, you know, like there, there were ups and downs there too. So having that extra year to prepare, like what was it kind of like uh i guess at, at down period like oh my god like you know i thought i was going in 2020 obviously now it's been postponed we don't know what's happening or or did you actually like grasp that as in like well this gives me another year um to obviously prepare for for the olympics like what was that feeling like getting to 2020 and then realizing that you weren't actually able or i mean for a stage there there was even probably talks that we're just going to scrap the 2020 Olympics and we'll look to 2024. I don't know. Like, I, I really don't know about the ins and outs of that. But yeah, as an athlete, how 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 was that moment? Um, I think so. There was six athletes from Australia who qualified for the Olympics, me being one of them. And um, the other five athletes qualified in March 2020. So they had the security that they had already qualified. I was the only one who hadn't qualified. So like for me, I think my experience to them would have been different. Um, for me, I was pretty stressed out, man, to be honest, like 
once I found out the last chance qualifier got cancelled and I was like, so that was, we found that out uh, maybe May and that was supposed to be in early June. And I was just like, oh no, like maybe my Olympic dream's over. Um, I'm not going to make it. Like, like when's the next opportunity going to be? You know what I mean? So all I could do though, I was, I was pretty, pretty flat for a period, mate, not going to lie. But then all I could do, I remember just like there was a flick in the switch and I just remember thinking all I can do right now is slow things down, really work on my, my craft and always like stay fit, stay ready. And whenever they give me the opportunity, if they do, I'll be ready and I will not let this slip to my fingers. And I spent most of the, the back end of 2020 just really honing in on my technique and my craft and staying fit. And, and um, I was in a really positive mindset. I'm grateful that Boxing Australia gave me the opportunity to move from Melbourne, which was a heavy lockdown. In, up into Queensland where I could train, had the freedom of training, the sunshine, took up things like surfing and, and rock climbing and um, really enjoyed those things as well. Good balance from boxing. And um, yeah, like I was grateful that I had that opportunity in 2020 to actually slow things down because I feel like like often I was just going bullet a gate, like whatever's next, next, just focusing on training hard, being ready and never really stopped and worked on my technique as much as what I did last year. And I'm just really grateful that I had that opportunity to be honest. Nice. I'm surprised they wouldn't have moved you to the AIS. I get maybe Canberra was in a bit of a lockdown too. Um, I, I would just think with obviously the national teams, they would send you to the Australian Institute. But uh, when you say you picked up uh, boxing and surfing, so do you consider yourself a surfer now? How good are you? And I only ask because like... <laughs> I've tried a couple of times. My best mate's like an avid surfer and, and like, you know, I'm good at getting out. Um, <laughs> if, if I get up on the board, I'm okay because I do quite a bit of snowboarding. But um, yeah, yeah. like get, getting up on the board is probably the hardest thing for me. Yeah, I'm, um, I haven't surfed because of my hand. I haven't surfed pretty much most of this year. Maybe early, early this year I was surfing. Um, but yeah, I'm pretty keen to get back out there, mate. I was, I was starting to get some like big success early this year and late last year. I was getting up on, on most waves. I have a long foam board, so it's pretty, it's like they're the easiest boards to get up on. Um, yeah, like I was really loving the progress. I love, I feel like the mindset with surfing is very similar to combat sport because the ocean always wins. And I feel like when you're coming up against, so it's like you're very vulnerable in that sense. Like you're never going to beat the ocean. Um, the ocean definitely was eating me up, rolling me. Um, I was feeling very vulnerable in that in that sense. And I feel like it's the exact same when you jump in a ring or on a mat uh, for combat sport. It's just like you're very vulnerable. So that's why I think I really love it. And I'm, it's like real humbling when you're just getting tossed and turned by each wave and you're having no success getting up. And I actually really love being out in the water and especially being on the Gold Coast. Like the water temperature there is like 22, 23 degrees or something like that. So it's unreal. So what is it with you, like, wanting to put yourself in these vulnerable positions? Because, you know, you, you've made a big case of it that, like, I don't know if you do it on a monthly basis or, or, or whatnot, but, like, you, you set yourself tasks. Um, as we spoke before, we jumped on the podcast, you know, one of the tasks was um, to get rid of all social – or not to get rid of all social media, but to get rid of all technology for a month. I believe when you went to the Olympics, you, you made – uh, was it a bet or just a task or something that you wouldn't talk to someone for 72 hours or something like that? What is it with these things that you, you kind of uh, challenge yourself with? I think it's just like to make life interesting, but I've always noticed each challenge. I've been doing it since the start of 2019. So over two and a half years now and um, absolutely love it. Like it's a really, really hard challenge. And 
each challenge, whether they're hard or not, but they always they all make me uncomfortable in different ways. And um, each challenge, I learn something new about myself. So, for for instance, the the one before the Olympics where I couldn't talk for fifty hours, that was really hard. And and I'm a massive talker. I love talking. And um, honestly, halfway through that challenge, I felt like I was going to implode. Like I was like about to explode because I couldn't express myself. But it also made me realize like sometimes I need to shut up because when I wasn't talking, it's like the people in the group with like the wallflowers or the people who sit back a little bit more, they were interjecting more because they, they had to feel that silence or feel that space. So it gave them the opportunity to express themselves. And as I mentioned, each challenge, I've done so many different ones, each challenge I learned something new and, and it's like really rewarding. And I think it's just that growth mindset. Like I just have a really big growth mindset. I really want to be successful not just in boxing, but I want to be happy in my own skin and I want to be successful outside of boxing too. And I think having growth mindset or doing challenges like like I'm doing, I think it's just going to help you grow as a person and then as well as an athlete. And out of all the challenges you've set yourself, which one would you consider the hardest? Like, um, And is there any that you, you kind of failed at? Like, and, and when I say failed, I don't mean like miserably fail at, but like for instance, like even the talking one, did you let a word slip within the, with, within the 50 hours or... Um, so yeah, like, uh, as I say, which, which one did you find the most difficult and, and, and have you failed at any? Yeah. So the most difficult was the one I did actually last month. Um, I aimed to do 12 hour straight meditation. Um, that was like really challenging. I meditate daily, but I've never, I've done an hour prior to Olympics. I was doing consecutive hour days. Um, and I was in a positive mindset and I was able to do that hour really well it's it obviously took its time sometimes but I was very impatient but I, I did four hours last last month and I actually failed I couldn't go any further there was like I think post the Olympics my mindset's a little bit different I'm not gonna lie a little bit like you can't go from a massive high you have to sort of come down naturally and I think I'm a little bit below 50% at the moment and um, probably because I'm not training normally as well and stuff like that and I just like that meditation was really hard and, and I pulled the pin at four hours. It made me super uncomfortable and um, I'll complete it one day, but last month or that when I did it, it just wasn't that day. So um, other ones that I found really hard, um, public reading. Do you remember? I don't know. I'm half illiterate and I remember being at school and the teacher would go, Harry, you're, at, you're reading next. And I just remember going, fuck this. <laughs> like I could be sweating, like sweating hard, my palms, my, my forehead, my saliva and my mouth and, um, would always just take the piss because I struggled to read and I, and I often hated that feeling. If you screw up, then people are laughing at you. Um, so I did this, this challenge where I, um, just hijacked a meeting at the Australian Institute of Sport. There was about, I walk into this random room. I see there's a few people in there and I walk in and I look up and there's just like 60 blokes, no females. I'm like, oh no. And they're like young, they're about 21. I'm thinking, Jesus, why did I pick this room? And I tell them what I'm doing and I just read, opened a random page to this book that I was reading and just read the page and I screwed up a few times and it made me feel really uncomfortable. Um, but yeah, that feeling after achieving that, like I honestly felt like I could run through a brick wall. That's crazy. And I was the same at school. I, I even went as far to um, anytime I knew that there was some sort of like, um, you know, uh, thing that you had to present a, a project that you'd done or anything like that. Literally, those were the days I'd call in sick. And if my teacher would reschedule it like to the following Wednesday, I'd be like, okay, well, I'm sick next Wednesday too. Like literally, <laughs> I, I did everything I possibly could to avoid public speaking. It is. But I think it's also tough at school, uh, as you say, because kids laugh at you but i think i think it's also the engagement um because i kind of feel like 
that that plays on you as well because i mean if you're public speaking to to an audience and they're engaged in what you're saying i think that's a lot easier than you know as i say standing in front of the class where every other kid they don't care they know we're just doing this because it's a formality and so you kind of feel like in some degree you feel like an idiot right because you're mm. like i'm just talking no one's paying any attention like what what am i even doing up here right and and i think that's the tough one there uh, well it was for me anyway um because same thing now you know if you're say in a business sense in in a meeting or whatever and you have to present in front of your colleagues but those colleagues are tuned in i find that's a lot easier than um as i say doing doing something back at school yeah I think um, it's interesting. Like I was actually having this discussion with my girlfriend the other day. Like, I feel like the system that we have for schooling, it's like, I wish it was more focused on like, like creating good humans rather than good students. Like, like really developing like knowledge and, and, and like education for like say young men and teaching them like, like about aggression and, and, and emotional control. And, and I'm not sure about, I'm obviously not a female, but like for female, maybe talking them to them about, um, like jealousy or, or, or like just really like emotional intelligence and, and creating good humans rather than creating good students. Cause I, I don't know, I just feel like the school system, I often got shamed a lot by teachers saying that I was dumb or, or that I wouldn't do anything in my life and stuff like that. And I'm like, like, I look back now, I'm thinking, some some people would hear that and then they would actually believe that like i'm lucky that i'm the complete opposite i heard that i'm like all right i'll do it in spite of you then you know what i mean like i was that type of attitude and i still am but i can imagine if if a teacher would shame some people th those people would start telling them that oh maybe i am dumb or maybe i am stupid or or maybe i'm not going to do anything in my life and i just think the system like it just could be so much better uh, i think anyway I, I totally agree and, and and on that point it's like if you get told something like if you're told you're stupid once that's fine and and not even at school like it could be a partner it could be whatever like you kind of take that on the shoulder and, and and be done with it but if you're told it multiple times you start to believe in that right like you start your, your mind starts to go well maybe i am you know i've been told this like numerous times now um and I, i'm not sure if you've seen it or not but uh, I think on on this kind of discussion, what, one thing that you should really look at is um, there's a TED talk by Ken Robinson. It's it's an old one. I think it's like maybe 15 years old, um, and it talks about does do schools uh, squash creativity, mm. and and he and he talks about literally how the system has been set up that it's all about like you know like math, English, science, and then you have like your drama your dance, your this and that. And and he talks about that we now live in a world where we probably rely more on the drama and, 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 and stuff to entertain millions of people than we do on people with maths degrees, right? Because now we have calculators, now we have computers, we don't need all of this. But he talks about how the system was set up when it was set up and how it hasn't changed over the years. And it's like mm. a really interesting uh, kind of like as I say, like way of looking at it and even to the point, like if you read some of the comments on, on that TED talk, like you literally have teachers going, I've changed my mentality and my methods to teaching kids mm. after watching this, this, this TED talk. It's, it's, it's incredible. Like just on a side note. So if you get like 20 minutes, I, I, I say, go check it out. Um, but back to the Olympic campaign. Um, so 
when did you know you finally finally made made the team? How how does that all work? Do you get like a a phone call from someone, or does does your coach get a phone call and he tells you like how how what do you remember the moment you you realized you're going to Tokyo? Yeah, so for for the the other Australian athletes who qualified, they knew when once they won their fight at the Asian qualifiers, so they knew. I was the only one who. This wouldn't normally happen, but because of COVID, um, the world qualifier qualifier got cancelled, and they were giving out these spots to the highest ranked athletes who hadn't qualified, and I was one of them. Um, so I was. I remember exactly where I was. I was on the border of New South Wales and Victoria, because Victoria was going into a five day lockdown, and I couldn't risk being locked down again. Being in twenty twenty one, I'm thinking this is the Olympic year. I have to really focus on being prepared, being ready. So I just drove up to the border, and I was just waiting to see what Dan Andrews was going to do. And I remember I was by myself and, and Coach Kevin, the national coach, um, gave me a message and I just remember dropping to the floor and, and just bawling my eyes out, mate. Like, this is something that I failed at to make five times. And it's like I finally get the opportunity to, to represent the country I love to bits um, at the biggest sporting event possible. And, um, yeah, I was, like, really overwhelmed. I was really grateful that I was by myself, could really just embrace that feeling by myself. And, um yeah, and then I thought, like Dan Andrews didn't extend the lockdown. I could go back down to Melbourne after the five days and uh, went home and saw my family and gave them all a kiss and a cuddle. And um, yeah, so that was in like February. And then um, I think we left like early early March to go up to the Gold Coast and start preparation. So it was pretty much almost instantly after after I found out I was in camp training for the for the biggest event ever. And was there any kind of like fear about traveling at, at that point in time? Because obviously we're, we're in the middle of a pandemic, I guess. And, and, and you know, it's, it's a difference like because, as I say, I deal with quite a few fighters and they'll go over to, to say, fight in the US, but it's like literally them flying over there, having a fight and coming back, where with the Olympics is a little different because you've got so many athletes coming from so many different countries. Um, was there ever like a, a, a thought in your mind where you're like, hmm, like as much as I want to do the Olympics, maybe this isn't the right time to be doing it? Uh, never, never once. Um, I'm like, like I can understand people's stresses and stuff like that with COVID, but I'm like a firm believer. Um, like it's like I'm young, fit, healthy. Um, obviously do not want to catch COVID at all. But like when we come back, we're going to do the two-week quarantine, get tested every day. We're getting tested every day in the village. But I'm a firm believer. Like I'm fit, I'm healthy. Like I, I could almost bet my life I can catch COVID and I'll beat it. You know what I mean? Like, and that's, and I got the jab because we kind of got pressured into getting it prior to the Olympics. They definitely pressured us to get it. And I'm okay. I couldn't really care less. But it's just like, like, I don't know why we're trying to cheat death. It's like a natural thing of human humanity it's like we're often just trying to cheat death when it's like i feel maybe mother nature's creating this to, to make overpopulation is a massive problem in this world and um and it's one of our biggest problems when you really think about it um and i just think i don't know we're at the moment like we should be more encouraging like being fit healthy training often um getting vitamin d getting fresh air looking after yourself rather than getting a jab you know what I mean? Like that's my philosophy. Get the jab if you're really scared. I couldn't care less what you do. But I just think we should be really promoting like like being fit, being healthy. Because I know if I caught COVID, I'd be fine. The only problem is I wouldn't want to pass it on to a family member or anything like that, which I totally understand. So, but I knew 
when we come back, we're going to do two week quarantine, get tested like four times in quarantine, get tested every day when we're in overseas in Japan. So I knew that. Um, yeah, the only thing is like I wouldn't want to pass on to someone in my family who would be more vulnerable for sure. No, no doubt, no doubt. And and look, I feel the, the same. I, I feel like if you're generally living a healthy lifestyle, there's a pretty good chance that, you know, you'll, you'll, you'll just kind of sit it out like you do with most things. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm one of those people where I'm just saying, I'd like to give people the choice. That's kind of, that's mm. like, once again, I'm the same as you. I don't, I don't, if, if you want to get the jab, get the jab. If you don't want to get the jab, that's on you. Yes. Know the, I always say know the risks though, right? Like I don't want you to say, I'm not going to get the jab and then end up in hospital and then like cry about it, right? Like if, if yeah. you've decided to go down that path, you know, it's, it's on you. And I, I just think that people should be able to make the choice and, and literally live with their decision, whatever it may be, yeah. right? Yeah, um, I think that too. But on, on that, so you, you, you finally get over there. Did they take the whole team over on, on, on one flight or was it multiple trips? Um, you know, like did they split the team up to try to – like how does it all work? Like was there social distancing on the flight? Like even in the yeah. Olympic Village, is there social distancing? How does that all work? Yeah, so they had a charter flight from um, Cairns, I believe it was. But like we – for the boxing preparation, we went to America prior so i was in america for three and a bit weeks and then we went to um japan early a place called maizaki which is two hours south of japan of tokyo sorry um so we went there and we we're training there so then we went straight from maizaki into into tokyo so we, we we went with the australian team um i give it to the japanese people they're really ordered and, and structured and and like they handled it really well like there was a lot going on and they they it was really smooth um, when we got to the Olympic Village, I personally thought it was going to be a bit stricter. wasn't that strict. We got tested every day, um, but actually, I'm not going to lie, I don't. I feel like Australia, because of the country we are, we're very honest. Um, we were getting tested every day, and maybe a couple other big countries like Great Britain or, or USA were. But I'm, I'm, I feel like most countries weren't really getting tested. Like there wasn't like like it wasn't like forced. Um, and stuff like that but like to be honest i don't think there was a breakout in the village there was maybe one or two like little hiccups um but it wasn't too bad we're pretty sorry about that um sirens they, pro they, um, they probably realized that you're in sydney and you should be in melbourne 100 <laughs> <laughs> percent. i've jumped the board like that <laughs> um yeah so i think there wasn't really i don't I, I don't watch the news because i think it's depressing um so i don't watch any of the news outlets or anything like that but i'm pretty sure there wasn't a COVID outbreak or i didn't hear of one at least yeah I, th I i think they said there was something to do with the athletics or something like that i'm i'm not 100 percent sure i think but once again i don't think there was an outbreak there was like someone tested positive or whatever and then they put a certain athletes back into kind of like a, a lockdown until they could totally clear it out um but was it what i mean even with that was it so you get over there they they still run it the way they would normally run it um and what i mean by that is they obviously have the opening ceremony and and, and things like that and like in in that instance what was that sensation like was, was it what you thought it would be or or the fact that it was like in an empty stadium was it kind of eerie in in a sense doing the whole um as i say the whole opening ceremony and even like uh, not the opening ceremony even like the actual arenas right like 
um, whether it be basketball, whether it be athletics, usually you have thousands of people cheering you on and all of a sudden now you're kind of like competing in these in these rooms that are now kind of silent. Um, what what was that experience like? Yeah, it was it was definitely like a strange and unique Olympics. Um, to be honest, like when every time I compete overseas, unless it was the Commonwealth Games, there's a big crowd. Um, the Asian qualifiers, there's been some places where it's been busy, like there's been a crowd, but like I've fought in Serbia, Bulgaria, um, like a few other places around the world. And it's like, you're honestly fighting in just like a little basketball stadium. There's not many people there. So it honestly just felt like a bit of a normal, like normal event, to be honest. Obviously when you was the Olympics did down, but like, like walking out the opening ceremony, not going to lie, opening ceremony was a bit of like a, uh, it was just more like the novelty of it, but it was like a, what's the word? Um, it was built up, um, anti-climax. Um, yeah, it was definitely was an anti-climax and, and I didn't go to the Commonwealth Games opening ceremony. It would have been amazing on home soil because I was fighting the next day and obviously you're there to compete, you're there to do business. And oh, for me, I'm not there to to enjoy myself. I'm there to win medals, simple as that. And um, yeah, so the opening ceremony was a bit of an anti-climax, but it was still amazing to to walk out and, and know that you mean know, looking down on your heart and seeing the um the olympic rings for the australian emblem like that's really special and um the arena as, as i was mentioning before like no one in there it's kind of like normal i hadn't fought in 18 months prior to the olympics so i was really grateful that there was no one there especially for that first fight like there was no one there it was almost just felt like sparring really got the cobwebs out felt good felt relaxed um and then as the tournament went on, I was like, damn, I wish there was a crowd here. For, you know what I mean? It would have just had a bit more atmosphere and stuff like that. But for my first fight, I was pretty happy there was no crowd there. Yeah, it's pretty crazy because I, I will say that on a positive is because we were all in lockdown back home, um, a lot of people were able to tune in and, and actually watch the Olympics, right? Because usually, you know, it's during the day and, and, and most of the times, like unless you're at school or whatever, a lot of people need to go to work and stuff like that. But like, I mean, I remember we went into lockdown. I'm like, well, thank god the olympics are on because it actually gives us something it gives us something to watch right so I'm, I'm just saying like as much as you didn't have those people in the stadium i think your viewership would have been a lot higher um because of the same reasons because of the lockdown but what was it like um with 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 the opening ceremony again like how 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 long's that wait because like you know from from a um you know a person that's just viewing it from the outside you know like the olympic ceremony does go because i mean I, there's countries there that i've never even heard of like there's obviously <laughs> like i'm like what country is that and i'm like googling and i'm like i like i i sort of felt like are we now turning like cities into countries or like i, I really was like damn there's a lot of countries so that whole period there like do they keep you waiting out the back for that whole time or and and you know do you start to get a little impatient because you're just like look let's get on with it I, as you say like i mean this is all fun and and games in a sense but like i'm really here to do a job and yeah. as much as this is a bit of fun like i'm kind of like not enjoying this weight like what, what what's that kind of feeling like yeah i can definitely it was really hot around the in in like i couldn't believe how hot japan was when i was there like really humid and being around like just waiting to walk out um it was really like everyone was sweating and it was it was everyone was getting pretty impatient i felt sorry for um kate campbell so most of the swimmers didn't go because they compete early um and i felt sorry for kate campbell she was the flag bearer and she was um yeah you could tell she was getting a little bit impatient she was obviously competing soon and but had to do the duty of the country and um 
Yeah, like it was it was definitely like all right, like as soon as we marched, like I remember jumping on the first bus and heading back. Um and it just needed to get some sleep. But it was like as I said, it was amazing and it was something that like I could tell if I have kids, I could tell my kids and my grandkids that I did that one one day and like I'm grateful I did it, but like as you said, I'm you're there to compete and as soon as I could leave and get on the bus back to the village and, and sleep and prepare on whenever my fight was gonna be, that's what I wanted to do. Yeah, nice. Now, obviously, with the fights, I mean, uh, as I said in the intro, you know, like, uh, I guess we consider you the golden child of boxing right now because, um, you know, you did medal and and it's been a very, very long time since Australia's seen a, a medal in the boxing. Um, you did mention, you know, you were going there for gold and you didn't quite get that. But, I mean, you, as I said, you've achieved something that hasn't been achieved, I think, in 30, 30 or 33 Great. years, something like that. Um, you know, now looking back on it, I know, you know, as you say, originally you were like, well, I really wanted that goal. But now looking back on it, has it sunk in? Like, how how, how are you feeling about what you've accomplished over there? Yeah, I think, like, like I'll be the first to say it, mate. Like, and I think high-performance athletes need to have this mindset or else, like, it was a failure. The goal was the gold. Um, and I, and I think I, for me personally, I feel like I've got to have that mindset. If you, if you start going, if you start lowering your capabilities and, and accepting something, then I think you're just going to lower your potential, like reach for the stars, simple as that, and don't fall for anything shorter. And, um, yeah, like that was my philosophy and it still is like, it was a failure. I'm proud of myself for numerous reasons. I'm proud of myself for how I handled myself and my preparation. I didn't turn my back on myself once. I showed up to every session, did everything and more of what my coach asked for me. Um, you know, I mean, I was doing numerous things. I cut out coffee for periods, did these challenges, wasn't ejaculating for for numerous days, didn't have a warm shower for, for two months or something like that prior to the Olympics. I was doing all these things and I remember the feeling, I felt it three times in my life. That feeling before a major event is when I can look myself in the mirror and know that I've done everything I possibly can to be ready for a moment. Never turn my back myself once. And that saying, no stone left unturned, people often overuse, actually knew that I did that. And it was a great feeling. Um, and, and it's something that I, that feeling is just like, whatever happens now prior to the, like, I've kind of already succeeded. Like I've done everything I possibly could and it's just left. And that's what I'm proud of. I'm proud of myself because of my preparation. And of course, how I handled myself in, my, in the ring um, as well throughout the Olympics. You know, I felt like I was very respectful and always just try and do what my parents have raised me to be, lift the ropes for my opponents and always be happy and respectful and um, like always have good manners for the helpers around the village and stuff like that. That's how my parents have raised me. So I'm proud of myself for those two things. And how do you like the Olympic format? Like, obviously, having to fight multiple times um, through throughout the course, and um, and and even the the fact. I mean, the one thing that that struck me was how quickly you guys forced the action. Um, and I guess that's all got to do with the the limited rounds, right? Because like, <laughs> I watched some of those boxing matches, and and it's like literally from from that first bell, people are like in and and throwing throwing fists, and I'm like usually you would see people like have that feel out process right like but they've got a few rounds to do that in um so i kind of feel like the olympic because uh, it's three rounds right it, with the olympics that's it uh, i kind of feel like you don't have that option to to kind of feel things out so it's it's you go in there and you bang straight away and and that was the one thing that i really noticed with the olympic boxing was just like how intense 
that action was uh, from the word get-go. But as an athlete, do you prefer to have a bit of a feel-out pr- process? Do you, do you like the, um, the, the kind of Olympic format? How, yeah, how does it sit with you? Yeah, it's um, like it's, I'm just so used to it now. I, the, the system now where there's not the point system, with the point system, you could be down six rounds going to the th- uh, six points, sorry, going into the third round, and you could, you could still win the fight. Um, in the system now that we've got, if you lose the first two rounds, you've lost the fight. Like unlucky, bad, better luck next time. So, you know what I mean? And um, yeah, so I think the system now, you need to be a lot more like, it's straight from the get-go. Make sure you're winning that first round. If you haven't won that first round, you've really got to bust your ass in the next two rounds to ensure you've got the fight. But I, I'm just so used to it. Um, I think me personally as an athlete, um, obviously been in the amateur game now for a while, so I'm so used to it. But like, I think I'm an endurance athlete. Love my long-distance running. I've always much preferred longer rounds i know my coach back home brian Levia, is a professional coach always was boxing 10 10 rounds pretty like light sparring but always boxing longer rounds not boxing four rounds like we do in our preparation or six sometimes um so yeah i think naturally i'm not a massive puncher i know i've got a lot to work on if i ever turn pro um but i'm excited i think i'm gonna like my fitness levels are really like really strong um and i think i'm an endurance athlete so i think that will definitely be in my favor going into my pro career whenever it is nice and i have to ask you like and and this is not to to put anything down on 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 your placement either but like did the fact that going into that last fight um the the because the chances of having a guaranteed medal did that change the mindset at all um you know do you do you feel like that if it was kind of like the winner gets a medal and the loser doesn't or something like that, um, that it would potentially make you more hungry or something like, do you, do you feel like changes your mindset or, or no, you it's, it's business as usual. Yeah. It's business as usual. To be honest, like that last fight against the Cuban Andy Cruz, it was regardless of when I fought him in the tournament, he's a, he's pound for pound, one of the best amateur boxers in the world. And I lost before I got in that ring and it broke my heart. Like, you know I mean like that i would visualize before every fight like myself winning getting my hand raised or um or like lifting the rope for them after i've won or me boxing really well i could visualize it with every other fight but that one and it was doing my head in um i was going through an internal battle um and just like maybe deep down i didn't believe that i was capable of doing it but like getting in that ring with him that was the first time i ever fought him getting in that ring was one of the best boxers in the uh, in the amateur scene at the moment um you mean there was things that were working for me and there was things that weren't working for me but at least now i can look at that and evolve and grow and and i'm happy i had the opportunity and fingers crossed if i choose to go to the olympics in three years or or push for it like if i ever come up against him like let's hope it's a different outcome because now i've had the opportunity of beating him but it like didn't change my mindset i was there to win and and i think in the third round i made proof of that like i knew i lost the fight I could have just danced around and, and, and not got hit in that third round, not taking any risks and, and let him just win the fight. But I'm like, fuck that. I'm here, I'm here to win and, and maybe get a lucky punch if, if I can. But um, like went on the front foot, probably took more damage in the third round, but I tried my absolute hardest and, and that's all we can do as athletes. Nice. And I, I mean, you kind of brought up one of my next questions, which was where to from here? Like, do you see yourself campaigning again for the next Olympics? Um, 
Uh, I mean, or is it is it a case that you're seriously considering potentially turning pro? Because um, I, I did also read somewhere once again that that you've mentioned somewhere that your which I don't quite understand. This is probably something you can explain a bit more too, where you said your style is more suited for the amateurs than it is for the pros. So. I guess there's two parts to this question is like, what is next with you? Uh, do, do you see yourself really campaigning for another Olympics? And then I guess uh, as well with that would be not just to see if you can achieve a higher, higher, a higher medal, but also so you can have an Olympics in front of a full crowd, maybe experience the, the, the opening ceremony and closing ceremony in full, in a, in a full stadium and, and things like that. Um, so even for that sense, but um yeah, and and why? What what do you mean by like your style is is much more to to an amateur boxing uh, fight? Yeah, I think just being in the amateur system for for so long, like the last obviously started when I was twelve, and 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 then when I was probably eighteen, and then I started representing Australia and being on the national team, and the national coach is definitely focusing more on an amateur style and fast paced, um, a lot more technical. I think. I'm not saying professionals isn't, but it's a lot more slower and you can take your time and pick your shots a little bit better. They plant their feet a little bit more where in the amateurs it's a lot more like, like kind of like jousting in, in some sense. And um, yeah, I, I think like I know my personality, anything I put my mind to, like it might take a bit of time, but I can definitely evolve my boxing and, and turn professional. Like I'm not worried about turning professional in my style. Um, I'm not a massive puncher and I know that, but I think with good technique, good timing, good fitness, like you can wear blokes out like in the later rounds of a fight and I will eventually turn pro um, and I'm not sure when it's going to be. I think we can do both now with fight amateur and professional. So um, yeah, so they've just changed the rule. They changed the rule prior to the Rio Olympics and, and Australia is still trying to work it out. No one really knows the rules to be honest. And, and, yeah, so now you can. There were some fighters at the uh, Tokyo Olympics who were professional, and um, yeah, it's, I'm just waiting to hear exactly what it is. 24 is a perfect age to turn pro, I think, um, after having a really successful amateur career, and and I probably will back now. I just want to make sure that the door is still open for the next Olympics. I probably won't go to the Com Games next year. Not too sure. Um, but yeah, just keeping that door open for if I want to like chase that gold medal in three years' time for the Paris Olympics. See, it's kind of crazy because like that, I hadn't heard of that you could do pro and amateurs at the same time. What I do always say though is that I, I, I just think we're at a point now where the Olympics have just got to let pros compete because yeah. when you look at sports like basketball like you look at the dream team and stuff like that they're all nba players like yeah. so i'm like how, how you can't you can't say they're amateurs right so like i just don't understand why we don't make the olympics the best of the best right regardless and i know some people have said well no pro is going to want to go to the olympics because there's no money because they're price fighters and there's no money attached yeah. to it and i'm like cool well if they decide they don't want to then you go to your next best. And if it ends up being the the top amateur fighter, so be it. But I think they should kind of open the doors to just let's let's see who the best is, right? Like regardless, um, as I say, if they're pro or amateur, like let's let's just compete at the highest level. But look, man, um, we will start to wind it down because as I said, like, uh, and I know you're busy as well, but like... Um, all in all, in, in, in a kind of a, a, a kind of a nutshell, like, is, is it a campaign that you have no regrets? And, 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 you know, as I say, like, you know, you, there, there's so many positives you can take out of it as, you know, there's also the, the as you said, you would have liked to have placed high or whatever, but 
I mean, and even to the point, because I know one of your mottos is like, you just want to be a good human. And I love that about you as well, right? And, and, and as you say, like you always tried to represent the country well while you were over there, whether it be opening the ropes for your opponent or, or I think even like you gave up your first class seat or something like that as well <laughs> on, on, on the flight home. So when you look at it, like, is there any regrets to, to this Olympic campaign or no regrets at all? Uh, yeah, no regrets at all. Like, I think, I think everything happens for, I'm a massive one. My mum's very spiritual. So, um, yeah, I've always sort of adopted a, some of her philosophy and I think the universe works in mysterious ways and the universe always has a little bit of a plan and, and it gives you these opportunities. And, and I have plenty of opportunities throughout, throughout the Olympic campaign and, um, it didn't change anything. Wouldn't re I don't regret anything. Um, like I, I was the best version of myself and the best I could be prior to the Olympics and, and I was ready to whatever life threw at me and the universe threw at me. So I'm, I don't regret anything. I wouldn't change anything. Um, I just know now I can, I can evolve. I can be better. I can always grow and fingers crossed if it's not me, someone else from Australia can win that elusive gold medal that we've never won in boxing. Nice, nice. Well, I, I, I guess the one thing that we could change as well is, is, is probably give you a better welcome once you, once you got back to the country, <laughs> right? Like I, 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 I found the way we treated not just yourself, but like athletes in general, I, I thought was pretty rough. Um, when you hear stories about, um, you know, I mean, there was the one story about you obviously having a few friends over or whatever, and you got into a little yeah. bit of trouble there too, because uh, we broke COVID rules. Yet the way I, I the way I see that is like, as you're saying, you were getting tested every day, if not every second day. It's like, come on, let's let's ease up a little bit. Uh, I mean, in in past years, you know, we'd give you a ticket tech parade kind of thing, and and here you are. You first have to do quarantine. Um, you know, you hear other stories where athletes in Adelaide they had to do two weeks Twice. quarantine in Sydney and then they had to do another two weeks once they got back to Adelaide and I was like it's eh, a little rough so I guess and once again I guess that would be you know another reason to kind of maybe um, go for the next Olympics again just purely so you can get that sort of experience because I think you know and and, and as, once again I, I'll blanket this across all stadium I, I know a lot of us were really proud about what the Australians were able to achieve and it just kind of feels a little bad like having you guys come back and and having to endure all of this where really this is like the highest moment of your life and you know you you're kind of stuck in a hotel room kind of like twiddling your thumbs for a minute so it's 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 a tough one but uh as i said like yep yeah, we we as a country we're totally proud as i said you've achieved something that you know we haven't achieved in in a very long time um so you should be proud um, I, I definitely want to see where, where you go next, uh, whether it is the pros, whether it is another Olympic campaign, which I think you still got in you. I know you said you, 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 you kind of feel like 24 is a good kind of age to turn pro, but you know, I, I also feel like it's just tough, right? Because at the end of the day, I, I guess it's also about price fighting and, and, and making, Ooh. make, making, um, a nice kind of dollar out of out of the sport you've chosen as well which is probably the other thing that kind of weighs up on your mind to actually turn it into a career um but look we we will call it uh kind of quits i just want to get um a couple of fight picks from you which i do at the end of every episode as well um obviously being uh, that you're in the boxing world I'll, I'll, i've got three uh matches well 
two matches and one that I don't even know if it's going ahead or, or not now. So the, the, the first one, which is I'm not I'm uncertain on right now because I did see a post yesterday that it's been cancelled now, but I'm not 100% sure. Which... Uh, it's, I think, yeah, Lopez Cambosis. Yeah, do, do you know, yeah. has, it, has it been cancelled or is, is that a false uh, kind of report? I so, I, so I don't think it's been cancelled as such. It's just like the promoters, the fight itself, I don't think it's been cancelled, but the promoters have pulled out. And they were the ones who were offering him like 1.2 million Cambosis. So he was on a decent bloody paddock with that one. So he'd be a bit spewing. But I don't think, I think the fight is still scheduled to go ahead. Just maybe with pretend, I'm not sure they have to do. Um, yeah, but I did say that as well. Kind of heartbreaking. Like I really wanted to see him do well, Cambosis, and, and see how, how well he went against one of the best in the world. Well, and, and the crazy thing about it is now is because it's been postponed so many times, he's spent so much time over there now, right? Like, and, that, and that's where it's really heartbreaking is, once again, he's been away from family and friends for all this time and now to kind of like have it unfold like this. But the other thing, and, and that's why I wasn't sure because like the, the, the account that I got it from wasn't like a, a verified account. So I was kind of like, is this actually, because I haven't seen George post anything about it. So I'm like... Yeah is this actually not going ahead or is it going ahead? I wasn't too sure. So that was, well, then we'll scrap that. We won't get a pick. If, if, if you're kind of on that same page that it's not going ahead, there's probably no point to getting a pick. Yeah. So we'll go to the next one, which is one that's happening up in Queensland, I, I believe next month, which is obviously Tim Tzu. He's uh, now fighting Inouye. Um, how do you how do you like that fight for Tim? Uh, I assume that you'll be backing Tim in this fight, being, mm. being the proud Aussie that you are. But like, yeah. So how do you see that fight go down, and 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 who's your pick for that one? Yeah, definitely Tim. I think he's like at the start. I won't lie. Like I was like, didn't like wasn't on the bandwagon. Like a few years back, I was just thinking like it's his last name. But every fight, he's really impressed me, and, and each fight, he's rose to the occasion and. Honestly, rating him so highly, and I think he is. Besides the Maloney's, are boxing really well, and a couple of others, obviously Huni as well. I think he's probably one of our biggest chances to get a world title. And I think the bloke he's fighting, I've only seen little clips of him, but he's bloody massive. He's huge, and he, he looks pretty tough. And most Japanese blokes, I don't know if he'll stop him, um, but I think at least he'll go the distance. I just think Tim has got too much skill, and um, yeah, as I said, he's been boxing really well of recent. So fingers crossed, he can he can get the job done. I think he will for sure. Nice, and you just brought up Huni. Hey, do you do you speak to Huni? Because I, I know that I've seen a post with you guys together. Are you guys on talking terms? Yeah, no, we're good mates. We're all good so, mates. so have you spoken to him since the Olympics? Because I know he was obviously a favourite going over to the Olympics as well, you know. And then he took that fight on with um, with uh, Paul Gallen and, and broke his hand. Like, how how have you spoken to him since then? How has he dealt? Obviously, missing out on that opportunity himself. Yeah, I like I've spoken to him numerous times, and there's been a bit of a roller coaster of emotions that I've noticed, and it's it was his dream, and it would suck. I couldn't just I can't empathise enough with him. Like it would have been so tough to to know that you you can't go to your, the the Olympic Games, and he would have been a massive chance to to win a medal, if not a gold medal. So um, yeah, I think he's he's still pretty adamant that he, he's he's um, like oh sorry, my phone's ringing. Um, he's still really adamant that he wants to really focus on, um, yeah, the Olympics in 2024 and keep that door open, same as similar to me. And um, yeah, it's it's heartbreaking, but he, he's doing really well now. He's back training and he said potentially he could fight before the year's out next year. Nice, nice. And look, just in case they call back, we'll get one more fight pick. And as I said, then we'll call it quits. Um, 
So we obviously got the the trilogy fight between the uh, Bronze Bomber and 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 um, the Gypsy King. Um, you know, how do obviously the heavyweights uh, always fun to watch? How do you see that fight? Um, do you, do you, do you see something in the Bomber that that could potentially startle? Uh, um, you know, no, nah, I think the Gypsy King all the way, mate. I, I love him, and I'm dirty as I'm Wilder, and I understand it's his life, it's his business, but like he ruined that fight with Anthony Joshua and um and what's it called and Dad Fury, the Gypsy King. So like if if Wilder didn't didn't like sulk and and want the rematch, like they would have definitely probably gone in that direction and maybe chased Joshua Fury's team. So I'm spewing because I said to myself if. Joshua and Fury fought. I was going to fly over to England and, and watch it. It'd be amazing. Imagine that in Wembley and 80, 90,000 people there and like what an experience that would have been. And now with uh, Joshua kind of losing his last match, I kind of feel like that that fight is now, I'm not saying it'll never happen, but it's kind of like taking a back it's seat now, right? It's, yeah, it's, it's, it's not kind the same. Of, yeah, so, and, and the one thing I don't like about the Bomber is, is, the excuses on the last one, right? Like, I, and and I say this with all combat sports, and that's what even like yourself, like what, what I really appreciate is the honesty. But like, where you say you kind of beat yourself, right? And mm-hmm. and I always say you get two kind of athletes: one that really handles their losses and they accept mm-hmm. their losses, and then others that just, you know come up with multiple reasons to why they lost but it wasn't mm-hmm. them, you know. And and I just felt like that last fight where it was like his corner, his water, his his walkout yeah. suit i'm like dude just accept that you lost the fight and 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 campaign again you know but uh as you yeah. said when 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 it's your career and a lot of money's on the line i, I can kind of understand it as well but look yeah. we're going to call it an end um as i said I, I i do appreciate uh you coming on um and i hope bondi's treating you nicely um <laughs> we won't tell the victorian uh guys that you've jumped the border <laughs> but listen for for people that want to like um you know latch onto your 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 kind of career and 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 kind of follow the journey um i don't know or for people that are even looking into getting the sport of boxing and and things like that maybe like want a bit of advice what's what's kind of the best way that people can reach out to you yeah instagram is definitely probably the one i use the most just harry underscore garside um yeah and, and if you have any questions about boxing or about you know, maybe you've got a kid who wants to start boxing shoot me a message um i always try my hardest to reply to messages like that and on twitter as well harry garside too and then on facebook as well just harry garside nice one well look as i said I, I i thank you dearly um it's it's always great to get uh you know fresh faces on 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 the podcast and and i hope this is the first of many i i do eventually want to get you back on again um and yeah as i said um you 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 made us proud you you definitely wore the 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 green and gold really really well and um yeah man thank thank you for coming on and uh until next time stay blessed I'm away. I'm away. Why?